Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hi, everybody. It's Wednesday night, and that means it's time for Friends in Fiction. It's the happiest hour on the internet, and we are so glad that you are here. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan Henry. I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Kristen Harmel. And this is Friends in Fiction for New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support independent bookstores, authors, and librarians. We are so happy to be here with you for a grand celebration of not only Mary Kay Andrews' brand new The Home Wreckers, but it is also the paperback launch of Kristen Harmel's beloved The Forest of Vanishing Stars. And as you know, we continue to encourage you to support independent booksellers when and where you can. And one way to do that is to visit our own Friends and Fiction bookshop.org page, where you can buy books by the four of us, one, two, three, four of us, and of course, all of our guests. And of course, that includes the Homewreckers and the Forest of Vanishing Stars. And of course, both the Wedding Veil and the Homewreckers are available wherever books are sold. But if you want a hand-signed first edition of the Homewreckers and the Wedding Veil, plus a little free gift, which is not so little, actually. It's a notebook with some nice little sticky sheets, which is awesome. You can order the spring box from our friends at independent bookstore Oxford Exchange. You will receive a beautiful delivery of both books autographed for you as soon as they are released. And of course, since Christie's is already out, you will get a two-for-one wonderful delivery with both books at once. All right, now let's talk to Mary Kay Andrews about The Homewreckers. So some of you might know this, but Mary Kay's first book, Every Crooked Nanny, was published in 1992, which means she's been doing this for 30 years. That's amazing. Wow. And The Homewreckers is her 30th novel. And there's been even more than one book per year, as we know, because there's been a few e-novellas. There was a cookbook. Everybody loves that cookbook. Mm -hmm. And as far as full-length novels, though, The Home Wreckers is the 30th in 30 years. And that's quite the milestone, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm sure none of you out there believe it because obviously none of us are a day over 30. So how is that even possible? Clearly, right? Yes, exactly. But anyhow, so The Home Wreckers, it is quintessential MKA. There's a plucky heroine. There is an incredible setting in Savannah and Tybee Island, which really comes to life. Mary Kay goes back to her mystery roots with a cold case murder. There's a love story. And in true MKA form, there is lots of house porn. Not to be confused <laughs> with the other kind of porn. Like no, the kind not, where we not the same. Not the kind the same. where we talk about houses, not yeah. And there is even there's even a dog, right? I mean, it has everything. It's like, yeah, it's amazing. So Mary Kay, can you tell us a little bit about the home wreckers? Yes. Well, there's a shark. <laughs> I made that. That was from last year's book. No. Um the protagonist. Um, <laughs> A bad thing happens. The pat- protagonist of the home records. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's not distracting. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> protagonist of the home records is Hattie Cavanaugh. She's a young widow and she works with her father-in-law um, fixing up and um, flipping old historic homes in Savannah. But when her latest house flops, she's facing financial ruin um, and a handsome stranger throws her a lifeline. He, his name is Mo Lopez. He is an LA-based producer of television reality shows for an HGTV-like network. And Mo needs help, too. His latest show is a ratings flop. So he, he uh, comes across Hattie on a visit to Savannah and gets the idea that they should film a, um, a television um, 
a home restoration show in Savannah because there's so many beautiful historic homes there. And he pitches it to the network and they buy it. His idea is to call it, excuse me, Patty, his idea is to call his show Saving Savannah. But the <laughs> network turns it around and they create a show called The Home Wreckers, which they decide should be a, a mashup of Flipper Flop and The Bachelorette. And Hattie gets paired up with a California designer um, who um, has had another hit show. Uh, there's a fly in the ointment because Hattie is surprised to know that when the she has to fix up an old house, she has to buy it herself, which is real life. Those fixer-upper shows, the, the people doing the restoration, buy the house themselves. I and, never knew that until I read the book. Yeah. Anyway, she has to, you know, scrape up all the money to buy the house, and she does that, and then stuff happens. Um, there's a body, and um, <laughs> a dead body, not just a body. There's a dead body, a dead <laughs> and there's somebody who will do anything to keep Patty from making a success of that house, and from discovering the truth about stuff that's happened at that house on Tybee Island. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. I, I was about to give something away. Don't give away this. No spoilers. Okay. No spoilers. <laughs> it's such a good book, though. I kept hearing from people on tour. I told you this that everyone kept being like, "This is her best book. This is her best book." It really, it's so good. So, I mean, it really yeah. is so good. I just love this one. Um, it's it's fabulous. But y'all know. If you've been around for a friends and fiction launch party, it will not be a friends and fiction launch without some silly hats some role-playing, and some special guests. So tonight, we are going to welcome Ron, Meg, and Sean to the Friends in Fiction Theater stage as we engage in a not-quite-ready-for-prime-time cable TV-style gossip show all about the reality television show at the heart of the home records. And here's our host, Ron Cohen. <laughs> as in as in Andy, huh? As in Andy Cohen. As in Andy Cohen. So tonight, the cast of the Home Wreckers and some of the HPTV execs in MKA's novel will join Ron Block as he hosts them on his gossipy talk show, Reality Bites. Now, who do we have here today? Well, um, Am I supposed to introduce myself? You are indeed. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I am Patty Cavanaugh. Um, I'm a dog lover, obviously. I was a licensed failing contractor with zero interest in making a career in show business. And all of that is to say until Mo Lopez literally dropped into my life. Literally. I can't look at the screen because Kristen... Uh, <laughs> anyway, now that we have our main character there, welcome uh, to Reality Bites. Uh, Tonight, the whole cast is here from the series, The Home Wreckers, and we're all going to talk about what went down on the set. So after Hattie, why don't you all introduce yourself? I've got the questions ready. All <laughs> right, Ron Cohen. I am Cass. I am the sassy best friend since childhood of Hattie. Which sounds an awful like like Patty, yeah. if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. and, and construction foreman for Kavanaugh and Sons. As always, I'm here to make sure that no one messes with my girl. You got me? Got you. And don't let my sunny disposition fool you. I've got my troubles. Well, hi, y'all. I'm Tug Kavanaugh. I'm the Kavanaugh in Kavanaugh and Sons Construction. And I am Hattie's father-in-law, or I used to be, I guess. Uh, may God rest my son Hank's soul. I don't even really know what I'm doing here, participating in this nonsense. But my name's on the company, so I figured I'd better show up and keep this hot mess express, as y'all call it, from going completely off the rails. <laughs> oh, you really need me to tell you who I am? Hey, I'm Ray Bartholomew. Everyone Woo! knows I'm the star of this operation. I'm sure you know me from Design Minds and from all my paparazzi, paparazzi photos on page six. But don't forget to follow, like, and follow Trey Bartholomew Design. <laughs> like and follow this guy. I'm Mo Lopez. I'm the producer and the creator of the Home Records, and I'm in desperate need of another hit show. 
I did drop into Hattie's life straight through the rotted floor, <laughs> literally onto her head at the Lumpkin Street House in Savannah. Okay, Mo, don't get so carried away with yourself. You only got this chance because my real stars, Christy and Will, HPTV's <laughs> crown jewels, are on hiatus dealing with a complicated pregnancy. You stumbled into this plum opportunity and a gaping hole in my lineup through pure dumb luck. The glasses. So I don't know whether to keep going or get the net. <laughs> <laughs> but what I want to know, Rebecca, is... Uh, what is your role here? Uh, to claim credit for my success, apparently. Oh. Oh. oh, and also to try to spark some make-believe heat between me and Trey. Hey, don't hate the player, beat the game. <laughs> oh, Trey, we hate both. Don't you worry, Ashtray. I told you to never call me that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, come on back in. Let's get back on track. Rebecca, <laughs> if you could answer the question, what is your role? I obviously am the HPTV network exec. I'm in charge, for better or worse, of all of this. <laughs> oh, so uh, Rebecca, is it true that you took Mo's original idea of a show called Saving Savannah about historic home restoration and turned it into this yeah, she turned it into a fake setup of Boy Meets Girl with a side order of home reno. Wait, that was all orchestrated? It was a, a setup? Thanks, old man. It felt, it felt super real to me, especially the kisses. <laughs> dancing in the dark. You remember the kisses and the dancing, don't you, Hattie? <laughs> Please do not remind me. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's skip ahead a little bit and uh, let's see what went down. Let's talk about what went down on Chatham Avenue uh, in the house out on Tybee Island. Well, you know, I scraped together the funds to buy the house through some avenues I'd really rather not talk about to buy this falling down wreck of a hundred-year-old beach house on Tybee that had been condemned and put up for auction by the city. Yep, the Creedmoors who used to own that place let it fall to pieces. Yep, and they were super, super pissed off that the city of Tybee sold it to my pal Hattie. That's right. She was the highest bidder. The house was hers, fair and square, and it was the perfect setting for our show. Oh, so cute. You're defending your girlfriend, Mo. <laughs> I am not his girlfriend. Wait, what? You're not? <laughs> oh, Lord. Where's that net? All right. Did the Creedmoors maybe have a reason to be nervous that the house was now in someone else's hands? Did they have something to hide? Let's just say there are some major skeletons in that family's closet. Literally. Literally, you want to hear more? Follow me on Trey Bartholomew's Designs. Well, you know what they say in showbiz: even bad news is good news when it's ratings gold. Oh, oh man, we were tearing down a termite-chewed wall when we found a billful belonging to our favorite high, high school, school teacher. teacher. Hate to say I told you so, but I knew that house was trouble. I warned Hattie those Hollywood people would bring nothing but heartache. You know I don't like fakes. I mean, look at how real this beard is. If you ask me, those Hollywood taps are all weirdos and fakes. <sighs> Not all of us, Tug. Not all of us. Okay, so legend has it that the high school English teacher, Lanier Reagan, disappeared 17 years ago. It was on a stormy Super Bowl Sunday night never to be found. And then her billfold turns up hidden in a wall of the Creedmoor Cottage. <sighs> Whew, I smell a rat. You think you guys have problems? That body turned up on my set. Uh, okay, Rebecca, the obvious <laughs> tragedy and heartache of this case aside, let's talk about how this, uh, Miss this body threw a monkey wrench into our production schedule on the home records. Who can tell me about that? Well, it became an active crime scene for one. Police tape, cops crawling all over the place. 
Such a nuisance. Such a nuisance. I've been telling you from the beginning, this house is nothing but a jinx. First, this code enforcement officer, Gadget, keeps <laughs> slapping us with fines. We cut down a tree. Who cares? Yeah. Then a dumpster fire. Then the wallet. And an ongoing cold case investigation. It's been jinx from the start, slowing everything down. Well, all of a sudden, you wait, you took, wait, all of a sudden, this. <laughs> this beach cottage fixer-upper is turning into another major money pit. Where have you heard that before? And now, now there's a crime scene? I didn't care much. I was too busy inside applying my magic touch. <laughs> yeah, you were busy, all right. Putting that magic touch of yours all over my daughter-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went into that, uh, didn't I? <laughs> All right. Come on, everybody, calm down. Let's do talk, though, about that onset romance. Sparks were flying between Trey and Hattie. How fast did it fizzle? Was it all for the camera or was some of it for real? Ron, Ron, don't give it all away. There might be some people out there who haven't already binged the whole series. We want everyone to watch the Homewreckers to see how Whatever. it all turns out. Whatever. <laughs> well, you kind of have a point anyway. So let's focus back on the house. Well, Hattie pulled off a major miracle. She transformed that dump into a mag a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a magazine. A magazine. <laughs> She turned that place into a magazine spread waiting to happen. And they think I cannot. So, hey, I distinctly recall being there toiling away with my Hattie many a late night. Who, who, who was it that pulled up that shanky, skanky old carpet and kept an eye on Trey's shady practices? Please, ladies, that kitchen, those hand-painted floors, all the finishes, we all know who that was. He's got two million TikTok followers. Sounds <laughs> right here. This guy. Uh, get over yourself, man. These girls have been flipping in staged houses longer than you've been out at charm school. Yeah, maybe you should go back to California dreaming, Ashtray. Your charm is lost on me. <laughs> Sure didn't seem that way last night at Sunday Cafe. Those gossip rag pictures from that night. Woo! <laughs> yeah, you sure loved those, Rebecca, didn't you? Really played right into the network's hands. Well, bunch of vultures. <laughs> snapping pics of people's private exchanges. Spilling the tea on my girl Hattie's family secrets. Why do they care about any of this? I mean... Why don't you just leave us alone? Yeah. Who actually cares? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I am loving all of this. This is mm -hmm. ratings gold for me. So <laughs> we all care, right? We all care. So trust me. Everybody, right? Right? Everybody agree with me? Oh, yeah. We all care. We all but care. sadly, I'm afraid that that's all the time we have right now. Thank you to the cast of the Home Wreckers for joining us here on Reality Bites. Who killed Lanier Reagan? Who helped cover it up? Who finds true love? Is the Tybee house a flip or a flop? Will Hattie sell the place and get out a hawk? Everybody tune in for the home wreckers and find out for yourselves. And that concludes this episode of Friends in Fiction Theater. Everyone take a bow. Yay. <laughs> you mean I have to come out of character now? I have to be PCH? Uh, you gotta be PCH I... again. You gotta be Patty, not Hattie. All can right. I, I'll can I still be, listen, listen, listen. Can I still be an old man, though, for the rest of the show? <laughs> no, you cannot. Oh. That beard well, is thank good for God you. I have a rash on my face. <laughs> hey, um, are Meg and Ron and Sean staying? I mean, I hope so. It's my party, and I say they're staying. <laughs> and they're staying. Whatever you say, Hattie. We've got Meg. hats. I think we've got, we got enough cake for them. But you um, brought the cake, right? I brought the cake and the champagne and okay. the jazz and the snazz and the sparkle and the okay. sprinkle. Oh, great. You brought it all. I love I it. I brought all it all. Right. You brought it. Wow, right. that was so fun. <laughs> that was hilarious. Sean, you have totally missed your calling, dude. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You're wasting your time with us. You're right. I got to go. There's an audition down the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Right down the street. Wait, we got Netflix out here now. Come on, we're blowing up. <laughs> All right. So now that we have done that amazing, amazing theater, um, let's talk about the book. You talked to us, Mary Kay, a little bit about the setting. I would love to know why you chose Savannah and Tybee. Um, what draws you to this locale and what impact you hope the setting has on your readers? You know, I we've um, had vacation rental homes on Tybee Island for 15 or 16 years. And um, Tybee was the first beach that we we found out about when we moved. My husband and I, my starter husband and I um, <laughs> got married right out of college and moved to Savannah. And I got a job at the, at the newspaper there. And Savannah is one of these places. I think it's it, it gets under your skin. It's mm -hmm. so evocative. It's, it's like a like a nail fungus you just cannot it's like a sugar cake or like a yeah it's like a yeah. nail fungus, fungus. I mean, that it, sells it it's <laughs> one of these places that the past is always present you mm -hmm. you walk down a street in the historic district and um you know these beautiful 19th century homes are there and the thing about living in a place that has so many echoes of the past is when they come up against the you know, the present time, there are lots of conflicts and conflict, yeah. you know, makes for a good story. That's so true. And just to clarify, for those who don't know you, your starter husband is still your current husband. <laughs> Last I checked, yes. Okay. I talked to him a minute ago. He's great. He's great. As, he's as far life. as you both know, he's still your husband. Yes. yes. Right. He is five some 46 years. I don't know. I lose track. That's amazing. I love that's that. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cute. awesome. Well, um, Mary Kay, how did you come up with the idea to include an HGTV style reality house flipping show at the heart of the plot? I'm pretty sure it was because you envisioned me right here in the Andy Cohen role, right? No. Um, <laughs> I watched, you know. She can't even fake it. I know. That's <laughs> your favorite word. We all know. No, that. no, no. Run, yeah. I watch a good bit of HGTV shows and, um, I was watching one one night. I think I was watching Hometown. I like that show. It's set in Mississippi with a cute young couple. And all of a sudden, I thought, what if I wrote a book about, you know, somebody who's trying to flip a house and and it's not working out so great? And I thought, oh, the first thing I thought was Homewrecker. So sometimes I start with the idea for a book starts with a title. Sometimes it starts with a premise. Sometimes it starts with a character. This time, it, it, the idea definitely sparked from the title. And then... Uh, and of course, I thought, well, I'll set it. Obviously, I'll set it in Savannah. Um, and for one reason, you know, there's so much television and movie production taking place in and around Savannah right now in real life. Yep. Yes. Nice. Uh, so, well, when you were gutting your own house, Coquina Cottage out on Tybee, um, you found an old wallet tucked into a razor blade slot in the wall. And that became a little bit of a, a local news story and a little bit of a sensation on your social media. Um, so how did that story find its way into the Homewreckers? Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I knew that I would have a body um, in the book. Uh, I knew that there a would be a, a dead body. A dead body. It's really body. redundant to call it a dead body. That's like calling it a dead corpse. All corpses <laughs> are dead. I have an alive body right here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I lost my my train of thought. Sorry, has been the bill. Do we need to separate you two. Yeah. <laughs> Are you distracted Daddy, by Daddy's do body? Thing again, where you just push her out of the screen. <laughs> Welcome to the launch event. <laughs> um, our contractors. Uh, we had a we had a wall in a in a bathroom at the back of the house that had a lot of termite damage. We ended up having to tear the wall completely out. And the contractors found an old billfold in between the, the wall joists behind a, a large razor blade slot. And um, so they gave it to me and it had this, it had been there since 1954. Um, the woman's name was Melba and it had her, all of her ID, her social security card, her driver's license, um, pictures of her sailor husband. Um, we figured out that he was in the Navy. Um, and I, of course, looked up her, looked her up online and I found out that she had passed away. I found her obituary and I found um, the names of her survivors, but I couldn't find them myself. So I posted something on my social media at like 10 o'clock at night. By the next morning, I had contact information for both her, her daughter and son. Wow. 
And, um, you know, we came to find out that um, Melba and lived in that house for only a year. It was a duplex while her husband was at sea in the Navy and she had a little one-year-old son. But nobody could tell us, and we still don't know, how that wall wallet got in the wall. So I had already started working on home records, and I thought, well, you know, I'll that wallet will reveal something about an old cold case, which I, I have a, a sick fascination with true crime and old cold cases. Explain what, because I didn't understand when it happened. It was so fascinating. Explain what a razor blade. Right. So in a is. lot of old houses, we've, we've re, remodeled four or five old houses and in old bathrooms, lots of times in the, you know, the medicine cabinets that are built into the wall, there was a slot in the in the back of the uh, medicine cabinet where you would dispose of used razor blades and so this one was much bigger than anyone i'd ever seen to have you know for that wallet to have got i guess that's how the wallet got in the wall we still don't know wow crazy so interesting yeah well one of my favorite things about this novel is it is so chock full of those little easter eggs with lots of characters named for real people and real life locations so is it my imagination or did you do a little bit more of that in this book than any of your others? And was this just you having fun? Sort of at my expense. I mean, Christy and Will. And if I get pregnant with twins, I'm holding you personally responsible. <laughs> well, my son's name is in there. Yes. Yeah. Um, her son's name is in the book. Um, your granddaughter mixed with. My granddaughter is a newspaper columnist. Um there are real places in the book, uh, some of our favorite restaurants in Savannah and on Tybee, the Sunday Cafe and the Crystal Beer Parlor. And, um, is Maxie Loxie real? Yeah. 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 It is yeah. real. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Meg's been there. Um, yeah. Loxie Loxie is a real, it's a really fun coffee shop. Um, okay. And I, there's a designer in the book called um, Lala Tarabella. And that's, that's named after a friend who lives in Fairhope, who always comes and helps out with my um with my book signing at Page and Palette and Fairhope. Um, I think one thing I wanted to do, I want to give readers the shock of recognition. So it's fun. There are lots, of course it's fiction. I make it all up, but every once in a while, I love to put in a real setting. So people can go, wait, I've been to that place. You know, I've seen that giant fiberglass turtle, resin turtle. (laughs) When you make the curve onto Tybee Island, I've seen that. And I've, I've crossed over that Lazaretto Creek Bridge and I've seen that little shrimp boat there. Mm. And so I, it's just my way of putting my readers in a real place. Even if they haven't been there, I want them to picture it in their minds. Well, just wait till the dogs Rue and Deuce read the book and see that they're yeah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, they're going to be asking for royalties. <laughs> and and this book also, you had a little bit of prophecy. You wrote a scene that like months later happened to all of us together right. when we were together. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. The, the train. ballet in the train. Oh God, yeah. Ballet, yeah, that was that was crazy. that was weird. Crazy. She wrote the ballet key thing, and it happened. I'm telling you, I'm going to be yes. curious. Yeah, and I swear I had the early copy in my hand, and I read it, and it before that happened. I was like, "What?" Yeah. 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 I'm going to give you a list of things to write into your next book. Exactly. Lottery wins. Ballet key thing. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, when we were at the Savannah Book Festival, uh, we were all there. The five of us were there, and um, my car was parked in the valet parking lot at the hotel where um, Kristen had a room, and we were leaving to go to our event. um, And we're running. We're like right on time. Like, and the valet folks couldn't find my car. Keys, my car keys or my car. They're like, no, we, we don't have your car and we don't have your keys. And so there's a, of course they did have my car and they had my keys. I just didn't know where they were. So there's a, there's a, just a tiny mention in the book. Um, Trey, Trey is, is late to filming because he says the valet parking people lost his car. Uh, that's crazy. Oh, and they got stuck by a train, which we all did yeah. coming home from the yeah. really yeah. long train. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. My that son was is both- working for a valet parking company, and I have told him that story and read in the riot act about how not to react to the people who are in a panic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, true. Wow. <laughs> if the car's gone, that's yeah. how, that's what not to yeah. do. Here's yeah. what you do. Okay. Um, okay, so it's no secret, um, because you've been so honest and forthright. You've had a really hard six months, and I'm amazed that you were even able to turn out a book so joyful and fun and witty and expertly crafted and page turning. 
while you were facing some impossibly difficult things in your personal life? Has work helped you? Has it kept you focused? Has it been a, a ballast? How, how is this even possible? Yeah, well, you know, uh, for people who don't know, my daughter, my 39-year-old daughter, Katie, died of complications of COVID in February. And um, yeah, it's been an incredibly tough time. She was very sick for, for four or five months. Um, so, you know, of course, I'm, the grief is still there. It doesn't go away. But I think what happens with my work is it, it doesn't just distract me. It saves me, really. Yep. Um, you know, when I, I wasn't sure I could finish the book. And my editor actually said, you don't have to finish this book. You can, you know, you can put it off. And I said, no, I, you know, this writing takes me to, to another place, a place um, where I'm not sad. So, yeah. And, and how you maintain your focus is you just do. You really don't have a choice. Yeah. You know, I just put one one foot in front of the other. And of course, um, fans and followers of the show have been amazing. They've sent hundreds and hundreds of condolence cards and uh, had masses said. And uh, I was sent a miraculous medal. A dear fan, Linda Tyndall, sent me a beautifully uh, knitted um, shawl. So that has been so heartwarming and, and so rewarding to know that, you know, that people are thinking of you and praying for you. So that's been amazing. Well, just to switch gears a little bit, you've been at this a long time, 30 years of MKA. Uh, <laughs> what perspective have you gained on this profession and your, your writing craft over the years? I mean, I know you're a pantser, so I'm sure you're, <laughs> it hasn't, your process hasn't changed. But <clears throat> And then what's on the horizon for you? What's next? That's well, all. I mean, it, my 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 uh, craft has changed. Um, I am more um, spontaneous in my writing. I think um, during COVID, I started. You know, I finally got some good writing habits. Writing every morning, I've kind of slid slid down the slippery slope the past two weeks. But um, the perspective I have gained is that whatever happens today, this that's, that's just what happened today, and tomorrow can be different. Um, I never have any perspective on my own work. I never know if it sucks or not. It never does. Um, it never it, does, though. It, yeah, it does. It does. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think my my thought is if you just keep doing it and keep trying to do it better, to hone your craft and to and to give yourself new challenges and, and to stretch yourself, I think. Um, I I can't imagine any writer I've ever known, and, of course, we've all known a lot, no writer I know phones it in deliberately. Mm -hmm. um, nobody phones it in on purpose. So um, I'm just, you know, I want to make a better book every year. I want to push myself um, to learn new skills and to try new things. And and that's what I know about my craft. You know, my, my motto is you can't fix what you ain't wrote. Yeah. So um, write it and just put pound the keyboard. And if it sucks, then you can fix it. But I've got a delete key on my um, laptop. And for what's on the horizon, I'm working on another Christmas book. Yay! Yay! <laughs> you already see the Christmas box. We'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas <laughs> spring box. Yes. That's yes. right. Okay, I got to take up my that'll be, for, that'll be for, win that'll be for uh, winter 2023. Okay. Awesome. Well, I feel like you... I feel like you sort of just gave us one, but um, do you have, you know, we love a good writing tip and I'm getting ready to start a new book. So I need a good writing tip. Do you have one that you could share with us? I did just give you my best writing tip. Um, <laughs> what else do you need, Christy? Come on, it's Christy. Years. Surely you have two. <laughs> um, I, I think if you, if, I think if you um, keep yourself interested in the story. Yeah. Um, and understand that, you know, every, every book and I, now I've done 30 every year. I tell myself, I can't do it. <laughs> this book I, is going to kill me. I won't happen. But then, you know, I have, you can see in the background, I have my, um, book jackets framed and my New York times bestseller list. I have them framed. And that's not just for ego. That is to remind me that no matter how tough the writing is, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to power through and, um, I'm going to get it done. And so that's my writing tip is just you have to power through. You have to you have to power through the sucky parts, through the flabby middles, 
and um, just keep going. Perseverance, man. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so what have you read lately that you're absolutely loving? Like, what have you can't put down? Well, I loved uh, Leanne Dolan's book, um, mm -hmm. Lost and Found mm -hmm. in Paris. And I'm currently reading um, Golden Couple by Greer Hendrick and Sarah Pekanen. Pekanen? Pekanen? Pekanen, I think. Pekanen, I can, never, I can never say that. Don't ask me how to pronounce something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got... Um, I've got Linda Holmes' new book. Um, one of my favorite books, and Katie's too, of the past five years, was, was Linda Holmes' book, uh, Evie Drake Starts Over. Mm. And it's been, uh, I, that book came out three or four years ago. Her new one is called Flying Solo. Is that right, Meg? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so, fantastic. I just read it. Yeah, it's so good. 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 Yeah, yeah um, I've, I've got that next up. So lots. Awesome. All right. A few reminders from all of us. Do you need an idea for a great hostess gift, teacher gift, most importantly, Mother's Day gift? Well, along with our books, we suggest the Friends and Fiction book and coffee bundles available through our friends at Charleston Coffee Roasters. What you do is you choose to choose a signed book by one of us. Then you pick the coffee roast and grind of your choice. Pay one price for that bundle and you get the book and the coffee pairing in the mail together. Gift paradise. Get <laughs> the bundles out at coffee, charlestoncoffeeroasters.com, all one word. And remember to enter our ongoing Coffee of the Month giveaway. Last week, we announced our April winner. So congratulations again to Bubba Wilson, who has won a three-month subscription, which is a $90 value. So Bubba, I actually went and bought myself a three-month subscription. So good on you. <laughs> and will you be our May winner? Enter now and find out. And don't forget that everyone in the Friends and Fiction community gets 20% off all bagged coffees on the Charleston Coffee Roasters website with the code Coffee with Friends. Coffee with Friends, all lowercase, all one word. You're up, my friend. Me? Yes. What am I saying? You're saying <laughs> just a quick reminder <laughs> of our Writer's Block podcast. <laughs> She's written 30 books. What do you want from her? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just my hard hat. I have, you know, the hard hat thing. Oh, now I'm smart again. Okay, just a reminder of our Writer's Block podcast. We will always post links under announcements each time a new one drops. A new episode launches each Friday. And on the last episode, Ron and I talked about the Hallmarkers. And we loved it. It was so good. I can't wait for people to hear it. Oh, I can't wait to hear that one. So we know many of you have been participating in our very first Friends in Fiction reading challenge. So this month we start a new challenge, a beach read. And I don't know about you all, but I can think of a really great book that fits that category that you might want to pick up. I think that it begins with home and ends with records. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. Sounds like a good one. And by the way, if you're not hanging out with us yet in the Friends and Fiction official book club, you are missing out. I know a lot of you are in it already, but this group, which is separate from us, is run by our friends Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner, and it is now more than 11,000 strong. So join them on May 6th for a happy hour with Ron Block, who will be transformed back into his <laughs> and Patty Callahan Henry. And that's just two days away, the day after tomorrow. That's awesome. Yeah, you get to see Ron right. and Patty again. <laughs> and make sure to join us for our next episode of Friends in Fiction next Wednesday, right here at 7 p.m., where we will welcome the incomparable, the hilarious Adriana Trigiani that I never say right. So if you're ever wondering about our schedule, it is always on the Friends in Fiction website and always in the header graphic on our Facebook page. 
All right. Also, I know we've mentioned this a couple weeks in a row now, but it's such exciting news. We want to keep reminding you. Did you know that we have joined forces with Fable, which is a relatively new reading app, to start a brand new premiere club we are calling Friends and Fiction Behind the Book. This is an interactive book club, totally different from the book club we already have run by Lisa and Brenda, but it's uh, led by us with a different selection every month based on something we featured on the show. So we hope you will join now to get the full immersive experience. As you read with us on Fable, you'll discover the story behind every featured book, fascinating insider talk with the authors, and they have these really unique social reading features that it will let you share your reactions, your thoughts, your favorite quotes from the book with us and with other people in the app. And you get total special access to resources about that book that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, hey, you know what? Mother's Day gift. Oh, it, that's it, oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the reasons I think we're so excited about doing this is it's different. It's not like anything else out there. This isn't, um, it, it's just, it's like a very new innovation in how to read a book as a community. And you know, we feel like we innovated with friends and fiction. You know, that this is something new. This is something we've been doing for a couple of years and developing. And, um, and I think we feel like Fable is kind of the same thing, a chance to kind of deliver you a new experience. So our first pick for Fable is The Wedding Veil, the brand new best-selling novel by our very own wonderful Christy Woodson Harvey, um, who, as far as we know, is not pregnant with twins, um, <laughs> being foretold that in very oh, days. Oh, Lordy. So, as far as she knows, too. <laughs> Woo! No, so jump in with the more than 150 members who are already reading Christie's latest together, discovering deleted scenes, her inspiration, Vanderbilt family secrets, research tips, and much, much more. So visit fable.co backslash friends and fiction to sign up today. And that's friends and fiction with the word and spelled out. The cost to join our premium club is just $5 per month. And we hope tons of you will subscribe. All right. Mary Kay, can you yes. tell everyone where to find you, your new book, and you on tour? Because I know you're going to be everywhere. You are basically hitting, I think, every city across the United States all no. like a week period. No, no, yeah, I'm and some twice. <laughs> I'm staying east of the Mississippi. You can find my tour schedule on my website, MaryKayAndrews.com. You can find me and all my shenanigans <laughs> on uh, Mary Kay Andrews on Instagram and um, and on my Facebook page. And um, oh, I'm on TikTok now. <gasps> what? Let's do a what? TikTok dance tonight. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I, we're, I'm going to make Mary Kay do a TikTok dance tonight, and we're going to put it on TikTok. TikTok. Dude, that Mary would make me join TikTok. TikTok. You could be a whole viral sensation. Yeah, viral would be the word. <laughs> Everyone would be vomiting because it would be so viral. <laughs> After show where we will be celebrating our fabulous Kristen and her beautiful new paperback and possibly also her beard, although perhaps we've seen quite enough of that. <laughs> you can find back episodes on YouTube. We're live there every week, just like we are on Facebook. And if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. Plus, you'll have access to special short clips. Before I leave, most important thing of the night, if you have not bought the home records yet, Buy the book. Buy the book. Damn, Damn it. it. Damn. Buy the book. See you in a minute. Make sure that you join us next week as we welcome Adriana Trigiani. Yes. Good night. See you in the See after show. See you in the after show. Oh my gosh. I was getting ready to say, do you still have your flower crown? And I was totally kidding. And you do. Oh my Thanks. gosh, you both do. I don't even know where mine is. That's crazy. Well, I, I only know because I've I was trying to Aww. in a in a doomed attempt to get organized, I threw all my um my um props my props in a bin and I haven't even put them away yet. So oh they're all sitting God, right no, side. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, they're all sitting off camera. Fingers. I even know where it is, and it did not occur to me until right now that I should be wearing it. So
Everyone pretend that I have oh my, my gosh, no, I don't have mine either. I have my veil. I could wear my wedding veil. Well, there <laughs> is part of the veil here too. I'm not really, I don't, what happened to the rest of it? You broke my veil. Um, God damn it. I can't have anything nice. <laughs> Wait, you complained about it so much. God, I'm glad. Can I, can I just point out, first of all, you two look lovely in your flower crowns. Thank but you. Can I, can I just point out, we've all been wearing a helmet for the last for the last hour, right? Yes. Um, would you all take a look at Christy's hair? She still looks perfect. Like what? I don't understand. Like everybody's hair looks I don't good. understand. I don't understand. We I get understand. exhausted of it, but I whatever. mean, Christy, Christy, th these are the things that what lead to you getting pregnant with friends. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, if that happens, everyone's going to have to just come move here. That's all I can say. So. <laughs> oh, you're trying to get your parents. You know, you're trying to get your parents to move to Beaufort, and I think that would, well, that would be the way. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, that would be the way. Yeah. Well, That's as right. we mentioned earlier, how lucky are we? Not only do we get to spend the evening celebrating Mary Kay's brand new release, but now we get to celebrate the paperback launch of Kristen's beautiful novel, The Forest of Vanishing Stars, which is also new this week and in stores across the country. So we're so excited. You know, we've had a few questions about these paperback releases since, of course, we celebrated Patty's paperback release of Surviving Savannah just last month. And in fact, my 21, 2021 book, The Newcomer, just came out last week in paperback, too. And I, of course, for that occasion, we had to put a friend in a shopping cart at Target. Yeah, we as, celebrate in different ways. As one does. I feel like I kind of started that trend a little yeah. bit, you know, so I think that I feel really like special that that's like a new thing now that we can all get in the shopping cart um, at Target. I, I, I have not been pushed or pushed um, in a shopping cart yet. I have not done either, but I would like to make a request when I get to make my Target appearance, can I wear the beard? Yes, but you, yes. Have to sit, you have to sit in the toddler race car because <laughs> she's so tiny. She could actually like put her little legs in the little seat on the <laughs> like a little we front seat. Yeah, we could like strap her in. Yeah, that would be, be great. Two of us in the car that way. Oh, All right, we gosh. have to get back to um, the Forest of Vanishing Stars. Basically, whenever a book is released in hardcover. Is generally generally released later, usually about a year later, in trade paperback too. It what this does is it allows the book to find a new audience in a different format, and in many cases, as in theirs, it can include bonus content like a reading group guide. It also sometimes is an opportunity to tweak or change the cover. For example, in Surviving Savannah, they changed the color of her dress, which is and made the background brighter. So. Um, paperbacks, you know, they come out for different reasons at different times. Oh yeah. yeah. Listen, you have the two. Oh, isn't that, I, know, I love that. that. I love it. Yeah, yeah. it looks awesome. All right. Okay. So if you have already read the forest of vanishing stars, you're way ahead of the game and thank you so much for picking it up. But if you haven't, I do hope you'll consider picking it up this week. You can find it of course in indie bookstores, which you know means so much to us here at friends in fiction. And of course it's also available at places like Costco, Target, Sam's, Walmart, and of course, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books A Million, kind of just wherever you pick up your books. So um, look for it. It's the same cover that it was in hardcover, um, which we've probably shown you um, too many times. But like MKA, I'll be on tour all this week and part of next week talking about the book around the country, although I won't be in as many cities as MKA, but I will be on the road. You'll be in every city in the country. Just. I'll be like in, in every other city. Yeah. And we'll all be together in Cleveland. And and Kristen yeah. and I are going to be together in, in Tampa or in, in St. Pete. St. Pete. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we are we were bound to overlap at some point since we're both yeah. hitting every city in the continental US. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you would eventually have to, just statistically speaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was actually just thinking, even if you've already read Forest Vanishing Stars, you know, it's kind of nice to sometimes. <laughs> like in your, you know, if you're traveling, you're on the uh, beach, you know, just you need yeah. like a little lighter version, give it to a friend. It makes a great Mother's Day combo pack, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Indeed. I'm just saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it absolutely does. I love that. But you might remember celebrating the hardcover launch list on Friends of Fiction last July because I think it was definitely one of our most memorable episodes. Um, Kristen, our resident 
overachiever and good at everything person and um, who were always like, what? You did what? She wrote a musical because that's what Kristen does. She just writes a musical just because she can. It's Wednesday. I think I'll write a musical today. So she did. I'm, I mostly just excel at beard wear, facial hair. That's you it. do. You, you have a lot of skills. You have a lot I of do. skills. That's it. That's the main one. Yep. Um, but um, Sean, could you show us like a little clip of the Forest of Vanishing Stars musical? Into the woods we vanish at last. Vanish at last. There's light, there's hope, there's, there's magic hope, there's as we explore the past. Here in these pages, you'll find a story lost of faith and perseverance, whatever the cost. You'll find hope in the darkness, a story of light, of the beauty of nature, and the stars out at night. With love and understanding, Yuna will find her way. She'll be light for others as they survive the days. I hope you will find yourself wherever you are in the story surrounding us in the forest of vanishing stars. 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 Yeah. Well, my favorite part of that was Christina's face. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, memories like the corners of my mind. Oh, the way we were. Okay. I think we established why all of us uh pursued a career in writing fiction instead of Pursuing careers as singers. We were all excellent. Uh, yeah. So Kristen, remind us what the book is about after we after that song fest. Yeah, sure. So The Forest of Vanishing Stars, briefly, is about a young woman named Yona who's kidnapped from her German parents on her second birthday. She's raised deep in the woods by this woman named Yerusha, who feels like she's been called by the forest itself to take this little girl to raise her in basically complete isolation and give her a different life. So she raises her with all of these survival skills, but virtually no skills of human interaction. So in 1942, which of course is during World War II, when the woman dies, leaving Yona alone in the forest, Yona's in her early 20s, um, and she's all alone, um, kind of wandering around adrift, wondering, you know, what she's supposed to do. And okay. suddenly her... <laughs> and suddenly her life intersects with that of a family of fleeing Jewish refugees. And she learns for the first time what's happening in the forest or in, in the kind of the world outside the forest, which of course is that the Germans have arrived. And um, tragically, they're rounding up Jews who live there and forcing them into Jewish ghettos and executing many of them. So people are fleeing into the forest and Yona soon faces this choice, which is, does she retreat back to the safety of the woods, which is what Yerusha has always told her is the only way forward? Or does she do what she can to help? So of course she chooses the latter. Um, or as I've said before, it would be a very short book and we would not <laughs> be here talking about it. Um, but in doing so, it changes her life. And it, so it becomes this coming of age story. It becomes this story of identity. Um, and it becomes this story of who makes, what makes us who we are. Is it, you know, what we're born to be? What's in our blood? Is it who we're raised to be? Is it who we choose to become? Or is it some combination of the three? So the story unfolds um, as Yona grows closer to this growing group of refugees. Uh, and the refugees are based very, very much on the real life stories of refugees who really did flee into the forests of Eastern Poland. Um, actually, this forest is now in um, in Belarus. Uh, it's an area of the world, you know, like the borders have changed. Um, but uh, it, there were thousands of Jewish refugees who fled into those forests and survived the war that way. Um, and their real stories can be found in this book. So that's kind of the, the basics. Uh, I mean, I've read it. I've heard you talk about it so many times. And still you do that. And I get those chill bumps, Aww, right? Thanks. I think that's yeah. just from that, the singing, the beautiful singing. I think a it's just ago. singing. It might be the yeah. flower headband. Probably. <laughs> I think it's giving me chill bumps, but. All the magic. 
Of course, the book takes place in an Eastern po- in Eastern Poland, which, like you said, is now Belarus. Yeah. So the events you follow, which are very real historical events from World War II, are actually unfolding in the same area of the world that we now see on the news every single night. So, of course, Ukraine is just south of Belarus and it shares a border with Poland. I kind of wish I had a picture. Um, So that has been particularly interesting as we watch this unfold and in reading the book, because it feels like it has a more intimate. We have a more intimate understanding of what it's like to be in that part of the world. So it doesn't seem so far away and like something we only hear about in the news. So what it must have been like to force to be fleeing from the only place you've ever known. So. Kristen, yeah, I've also heard you talk a bit about the research into this book because you worked closely with Belarusian for a forest guide from Belarus, a Belarusian did it forest guide. <laughs> but you also had the opportunity to talk many times to ninety-four-year-old Aaron Belit. Oh, see, I didn't even think to tell you. Aaron Bielski. Aaron Bielski. I know how to say it. Aaron, okay. Who actually survived World War II by hiding deep within the forest. So just like your characters, he did that. Can you tell us a little bit about him and getting to know him and talk to him? It, it was just one of the most incredible gifts about this book. So, you know, whenever you're writing about history, um, you know, as as all of you know, it, you know, it, you it, it brings the story so much more alive if you're able to talk to people who were actually there, yeah. which, of course, if you're writing about, um, you know, the Vanderbilts a very long time ago, the people who were there aren't alive. Right. Or or if you're writing about um, the um, the steamship Pulaski that blew off, it blew up off the course, the coast of the Carolinas, there are not survivors still living from that. But I'm so fortunate that I was able to come across this man named Aaron Bielski, who was one of the Bielski brothers, who founded the most well-known group of Jewish survivors in that forest. So um, his story is an extraordinary one. It was 80 years ago. He was 14 years old when the Germans came for his parents. He hid in the barn and then later he fled into the woods. His parents were murdered um, along with more than 4,000 other Jews um, within a few days of their arrest. Um, So yeah, so he fled into the woods, joined his older brothers and together they started this group, which started with just a handful of people who knew each other and grew to 1200 people by the end of the war. And he actually, I mean, of course, obviously he used to live in Poland, um, but he lives in the United States now and he lives just a couple of hours from me in Palm Beach. So not only did I have a chance to talk to him for this book, but I've had the chance to see him and talk to him multiple times since then, which has been incredible. And that brings me to one more thing we have for you tonight before we let you go. So I've talked a bunch about Aaron Bielski on this show, in live events, and on my social media, but I've never had the chance to share him with you in his own words. So I did an event with an organization called Morse Life in Palm Beach earlier this year. And when the event organizers realized that Aaron and his wife, Henrika, also lived in Palm Beach, they sent someone out to interview him so that they could play that before my talk. So they can they condensed their hour long interview into this three minute video, and we have it here for you tonight. They were kind enough to share it with me and give me permission to share it with all of you. So I would love for you to see Aaron and his wife Henrika tell you a little bit about their story. Sean, can you show us that three minute video? Thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate. We have to spread the news. Yes to the world, yes. what happened to during Caracas. Educate people. Yes, so we have to educate people. They should know what happened, really. Some people denied Holocaust, but we are on the ball. We want people know more about Holocaust. What was it like for you in the forest? Ah, oh, forest was great. Freedom. Freedom. You see the sun, you see the... Uh, Stars, everything, freedom. Were you scared when you were in the forest? No. You think how to make life possible there and not to be scared of anything. Was afraid of nothing. Afraid, yes, but he did not know that I am afraid. Next person. He did not know. 
When you were in the forest, what kind of people were there with you? Same as uh, we, but very few. My older brothers. Soil, Cecil, have you? Children, very little. Uh, I mean, a child had to be at least five or six years old, the way I remember. You had to be able to run, to hide. What was your job in the forest? Help others as much as I can. A child is sitting and crying. Somebody uh, left her. I picked it up. Someone is still alive from this. What did you do after hiding in the forest, after the war? It was heartbreaking. Have no one, no parents, no nothing. Uh, have no one. Yesterday, you were afraid to be seen. And here, all of a sudden, do anything you please. It was a shock. Look how we lived yesterday and how it's today. This I'll never forget. For a few days, it took to understand, to figure out that the Rebbeinu Shalom, according to me, Rebbeinu Shalom means the good Lord woke up. What is your message for people that would see this video, this movie? You see a person that needs help, help him, no matter what he is. Jew, Gentile, Black, white, indifferent. This is the rest of my life like that. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for letting me share that. How old was he again, Kristen? How old was he He when he was 14 when he fled into the forest? It was, it was, um, it was a little over 80 years ago. It was December 5th, 1941, um, that the that the Germans came for his parents. So um, 80 years. Um, I, I I just it, it's really inspired by him. And I love that he mentioned that in the forest you could see the stars. Like that's you know like that was one of the first things he said in the video. And um, and uh, I like how he said that. Um, I like how she said, were you scared? He said, no. And then he said, the, the man behind you, or besides you didn't know you were scared. So what he was saying was they were, but you couldn't let other people know. And, wow. you know, and then he picked up the little girl. And someone's alive today because of that. Did you hear that? And, yeah. and not only is somebody alive today, but this is an old statistic, but of the 1,200 people who walked out of the forest alive at the end of the war, um, they have more than 25,000 descendants today. Um, and, and, and that number is years old. So I'm sure it's far more than that. But think about that. So you're not just saving that one life. You're saving all of the lives that come after. Um, it's mm-hmm. just incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, it's I see amazing. those pictures of the very young children. And you're, and you just, you're stunned that they were able, the old ones and the young ones. And that's amazing. This amazing testament to the strength of the human spirit. Yeah. And kindness, people helping each other. Kindness. Absolutely. Yeah. You're bonding together like that to help each other. Yep. Absolutely. And going out of their way to do so, you know, it, it wasn't just, you know, I've said this before, it wasn't just a group that happened to find their way into the woods and survive together. They actively sought out people to bring into the woods. I mean, they basically went into these ghettos, risked their lives every time and said, if you come with us, you have a chance to live. Um, but if you stay, you're going to die. So um, I, I, it's just, it's, it's a great, it's a great example for all of us, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, <laughs> So on that note, um, well, this has been a really incredible night and um, we have so much to celebrate and so many great books for you guys to go out and get right now. You can order them or pick up at your independent bookstore um, and hopefully you'll see um, Kristen and Mary Kay on tour. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your tour and where you're going to be. Yeah, well, I mean, the most important tour stops are the ones we're doing together. Of course, you know, we're in um, we're in Cleveland tonight. We'll be at the Jersey Shore on July 20th. We'll be in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in, wait, 
wait, May, May 20th. Did I say May? I meant May. We'll be in Rehoboth Beach in July. And then Mary Kay and I are going to be <gasps> together next Tuesday in St. Pete. So, um, which is where we both grew up, where we both went to high school, although my rival high schools. Right. I was about to say, don't hold it against her that she went to the inferior school. Clearly, I mean, they she learned to write, you know, they taught English there. She did learn to write a little <laughs> bit. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> she managed despite the <laughs> sad beginnings. But um, <laughs> no, we're, we're going to be together in St. Pete on Tuesday, which we're really excited about. I'm excited to see her. Um, and, you know, of course, you can find her tour schedule at MaryKayAndrews.com. You can find mine at KristenHarmel.com. Um, and we hope that you meet up with us and all of us somewhere on the road. We're really looking yes. forward to seeing you. No, can't wait to see you guys. Well, friends, we hate for the fun to come to an end. It's been such a great night. But one last time, just a reminder to pick up your hardcover copy of The Homewreckers and your paperback copy of The Farce to Vanishing Stars. And we know we say it here often, but this first week is so important to our books and our friends. And we really, really appreciate you supporting us um, right at the beginning because it makes such a difference for these books. So thank you. Thank you. And we will see you back here next week. Same time, same place. when we chat with the amazing Adriana Trigiani. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.